Thank you for tuning in to Remodeling Mastery by Mark Richardson, brought to you by Surefire Social. For more advice, tips, and strategy on small business marketing, visit surefiresocial.com slash podcast. Hi, Mark Richardson, and welcome to our series on Remodeling Mastery. The next three-part series is titled Creating a World-Class Team. Remodeling Mastery is all about taking your business to the next level. It's all about understanding your business, I think, from new lenses and perspectives. And what we try to do is do these relatively brief, concise, thoughtful podcasts to help you understand these particular issues. So let me go ahead and dive into today's topic and set up the three-part series that you'll be listening to. Creating a world-class team, I think, is one of the highest priorities that any organizations have. Now, to put this in a little bit of perspective, if you look back in sort of the recessionary times when unemployment was relatively high, you know, it's really most important, I think, to get the phone to ring, to start to, you know, generate enough business. And quite frankly, many organizations had to cut back on their fundamental staffs. However, we're in a mode of really moving from surviving to thriving in business today. And as you look at some of those key environmental factors that I talked about before, we're seeing the home appreciation, we're seeing interest rates be solid, we're seeing the unemployment certainly being, you know, single digit as opposed to double digit, and also the fundamental economy in the stock market as well as the consumer confidence is very, very solid. So as you really think about that from the perspective, okay, how has the environment changed? Well, the number one priority of many, many businesses out there is, in fact, the talent, is, in fact, the labor in organizations. And this is not just in the remodeling industry. Matter of fact, if you look at sort of what's happening from Harvard's perspective on this, we've seen a real shift, a shift from younger people getting involved in construction being down pretty dramatically. The percentage of women has not really climbed involved in home improvement activities. We've seen a larger percentage of foreign-born, but the overall populations, while the growth is happening, the overall number of available workers out there, available team members out there has actually gone down, not up, even though we've seen a pretty substantial uptick. So this notion about sort of getting your arms around this subject is so important. A friend of mine uh, who's the CEO of the largest remodeling organization in the United States, he has many companies under his wing, Charlie Chase, you know, coined a little term about three years ago at a Harvard meeting that really hit a chord for me. And he said that those companies that master the labor are going to be the winners. Master the labor. Now, he was not referring to just the trades. He was really referring to the talent pool that's really out there today. And I really think, as I reflected on that, if you can become more masterful at the labor, you will in fact, win and certainly be more successful. So in talking about this, like a lot of things I try to do, is break it in terms of its fundamental parts. You know, mastering the labor is not just one thing or the other. Mastering the labor, and we'll be talking about it today, is understanding the whole subject of culture. It's also finding and retaining 
It's also training. And in fact, it's even expanding your comfort zone in your team beyond what your immediate team members are into your strategic alliances and certainly subcontractors as well. So let me talk a little bit about this subject of culture. The reality is I find that in the remodeling industry, most people got in the remodeling industry in many ways to really get away from this corporate culture kind of thinking, this blue suit, white tie, or white uh, shirt kind of mentality. But culture really is what is critical. Matter of fact, I was having lunch with uh, a good friend, and he was sharing a little quote by a famous author and speaker who said, culture eats strategy for lunch. And I think that's so important to understand because we have a tendency, especially as our type A personalities, business people, to come up with the strategies, come up with the plans, uh, outline the specific objectives. But sometimes we don't fundamentally get into the basic culture of what it's all about, the basic culture. And I think what he was saying with that is if you don't have the right kind of culture in your organization, you're really not going to be very successful. So I've really thought about this, and actually as I travel around and I see a lot of different organizations, I look, quite frankly, first and foremost, at the culture. You know, do I see the right kind of vibe? Do I see the right kind of alignment within the culture? Do I see sort of the mojo or, in fact, the excitement and passion is there a clear sense of purpose within the organization that all is sort of the glue that holds the parts and pieces together when it comes to culture? So as we think about this subject of culture, I think it's important to think about what is it? What is the culture? Now, I struggled with this within our organization many years ago. How do you communicate culture? We all know what it looks like, feels like. We know it in other terms like cultures from different countries. We know the language differences. But do we really understand it when it comes to our business? And are we getting our team members excited about learning more about culture and certainly making it more of a priority to have good, solid cultures? So what I actually did was I developed a metaphor, a metaphor that really hit a chord, I think, for many folks was they thought about culture. And that metaphor was starting to think about sports. And as I would speak to particular groups within our organizations, I would ask them, let me help you understand a little bit more about culture. And I would ask them sort of an off-the-wall question. How many of you like professional football? How many of you take your Sunday afternoon and carve it out of your precious time and watch your favorite professional football team play? Well, needless to say, if there was a group of 15 or 20 people in the room in this particular seminar, at least 80, 90 percent of them would raise their hand. They like professional football. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should like or dislike professional football, but it really hit a chord, I think, for these 80 or 90 percent. So I asked them the question, what do you like about professional football? What causes you to take and make it a priority to hang out and spend that big chunk of time on a Sunday afternoon or certainly an evening? So they would start to brainstorm and throw out elements that they like professional football. Some of them it was about the action. They liked sort of that intense kind of action. In other people, they talked about the skills. 
Other people talked about the strategies. Some people talked about sort of the traditions and, and their, their warm feelings about the local team, the local professional team that was important to them. And other people, they look back. They look back at some of the elements going back in time to some of their favorite players when they were a kid. Most of the folks there that really liked professional football not only had some understanding of the rules of the game, but they also had an understanding of what it was like to be out there in the dead of winter playing a pickup game of football and being knocked down or running for a particular pass or, or tackling. That, you know, they knew what that sort of felt like. So then after we exhausted sort of this fun little exercise of talking about professional football, I would ask them, well, how many of you can't wait till you leave our little session today and run home and flip on the cable television and watch professional rugby? They would all look at me like I've got two heads. And I would say to them, does professional rugby have traditions? Does professional rugby have rules to the game that are interesting? Does it have hard hitting? Does it have strategies in the game that are interesting? Does it have a level of intensity? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. But in one case, you literally will take a giant chunk of your time, have a lot of discussions over the coffee machine about it, being professional football, whereas professional rugby you really don't care about. And I shared this story because you need to find a way to communicate. You need to have them understand that the culture of the company is in many ways like professional football. The fact that they understand the rules of the game. They know what a penalty is for being offsides. They know how many points a, a, an organization or a team gets uh, when they kick the ball through the uprights or when they run across the goal line. They know, for example, how many games there are in the season, how the records sort of measure up. They understand sort of the trading and draft process, the recruitment process. They see, for example, these kids go from high school to college into professional football. They understand that, that process that they go through and have really some warm feelings about those great uh, players, those quarterbacks or running backs, or, or it could be a linebacker from that they grew up with hearing about and, and certainly enjoying the, their play. You know, but the bottom line is that's really what culture is about. Culture is all about understanding the rules of the game. It's understanding the history. It's understanding the tradition. It's understanding how to communicate, how to hook these parts and pieces together, how to get in line, how to enjoy the game. And when it comes to your culture of your company, it exists. Some great companies out there, the one common denominator is that they have great cultures. They have cultures that are really very, very special. They're very gung-ho. They're excited about the future. They're aligned about their missions. So as you start to think about this, if you want to have a world-class team, it all really begins with having a world-class culture and making it a priority to discuss it, to understand it, to improve it. There's a lot of ways to go about doing that when it comes to the culture, just by starting to communicate it. But you've got to be patient. If you want to see sort of the shift from your organization, it's sort of like a freighter turning. It oftentimes takes miles to shift the, the direction of, of a very large ship. 
But at the end of the day, you got to live it. You got to live it. You got to breathe it. You got to discuss it. You got to make it top of mind within your organization. And over time, you will see the organization shift to a level of culture that is really positioned for success, positioned for the level of growth that you want to see. So I want to thank everybody for joining us today. In our next session, we're going to continuing this theme of creating a world-class team, and we're going to talk a little bit about finding, how do you go about finding the right kind of talent moving forward? Take care, everyone. Remodeling Mastery by Mark Richardson was created to help business owners like you grow your business. Learn something new today? Let us know by tweeting at Surefire Social. For more podcasts, visit surefiresocial.com slash podcast.